Canon Rinse, Sound of Play, 49.
Alright, welcome to another episode of Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the mini video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. That first track that you heard here is a request of mine that is Defenestrate to My Heart. It's a little pun on, uh, well, it's from Gunpoint, which features a lot of throwing people through windows and being thrown through windows yourself. And actually, that's kind of how the game opens, being thrown from your own window by a uh, the power of your, I guess, automatic trousers, I suppose it was, uh, that was composed by Ryan Ike for Gunpoint. If you want to hear a more thorough rundown of that game, then that is on uh, Arcane and Rinse, our main podcast, in issue 145, for a good two-hour discussion of that very funny and uh, kind of strategic platformer. I don't even know what I'd call it genre-wise. Uh, Mark, um, I, by the way, I've got, I, I'm Ryan Heyman in Sound of Play 49, and I've got Mark Hamer from the Lapsed Gamer Radio joining me today. Hello. Uh, Mark, you were saying that you've played Gunpoint before? Yes, I have. I played through it a couple of times, and it's 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 an excellent little game. It's um, yeah, I guess you would call it a a platformer in a way. Um, uh-huh. Although there's a lot of uh, a lot more puzzle elements than you'd usually find in a platformer as well, and also sort of right. uh, mysterious noir style storyline uh, wrapped <laughs> around it as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like traditional platforming necessarily. You can charge up your uh, your jump like you charge your bazooka in a worms game Mm. um and there's a lot of like hacking of electrical systems and it's a real clever really unique game but i like it a lot and it it kept me laughing the entire time too yeah one of the things that i think is often overlooked is how good that soundtrack is it's excellent yeah yeah there's only a couple tracks that i would say really stand out on their own as like standalone listenable tracks the one that we just heard is a very noiry jazzy uh tune which i, I just love i think it has um it's able to keep that kind of bluesiness while still remaining fairly danceable mm-hmm. um and really upbeat and really fun uh, but the soundtrack is kind of broken between these kind of old sounding noir tunes for when you're just platforming about and more kind of like modern electronica pieces kind of remixes of the same song that it switches seamlessly in between as you go into the hacking mode. And so this interesting fusion of that uh, the past and future is what that soundtrack does particularly well. Yeah, and there's also sort of elements of almost like a John Carpenter-esque 80s mm. uh, synth music uh, floating in the yeah, background yeah. as well, <laughs> then interspersed with that like classic noir uh, like saxophone and yeah, very mm. smooth, almost jazzy elements, yeah. Yeah, and a few different composers on that soundtrack, which is always interesting to hear. Multiple composers contribute to one overall sound. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about you before. I don't believe you've been on either Canon Rinse or Sound of Play before. Is that right? No, I haven't. No, this is my first time. So thanks very much for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I've done a little bit of uh, recording with Lapsed Gamer Radio in the past, but do you want to tell them a little bit about that, uh, that podcast and a little bit about you as an individual? Yeah, certainly. Uh, Laps Gamer Radio is um, it's a podcast in which we try and, and unite lapsed gamers with slightly less lapsed gamers like I'm, slightly more on the less lapsed end of the scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of the teammates are, you know, they're, they're, they're grown-ups with, uh, with families and responsibilities <laughs> and don't get to play as much. And we try and unite the two and try and invigorate um, the joy of gaming again in people who perhaps may have, have fallen off or don't have enough time to play anymore. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we 
cover all games, we also try and concentrate on games that are shorter, more accessible, um, games that come up in Steam sales or free on PS Plus, and games that are short and easy to get into so that people who don't have a lot of time, they have constraints on their time, can get in mm-hmm. and, and, and play and rediscover their love for gaming again. Yeah, you see, that's that's a really interesting kind of niche market and people who probably aren't being catered to. You know, podcasts are kind of thought of as this enthusiast space, the space yeah. where people come in like out of the abundance of their time. But sometimes it's nice to just have like a catered experience that really fits in with the natural limitations of life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm quite lucky. I don't have kids. Uh, I live very close to where I work, um, so I don't have long commutes to deal with. Um, my girlfriend's a big gamer as well, so we're never really fighting over <laughs> whether I can play video games or whether we need to watch something on TV because usually she's quite fine to play games as well. Mm-hmm. But I understand, you know, not everybody is as lucky as I am, so we try and try and cater to the people who don't don't have that as uh, the same amount of free time to play games as perhaps I do. So uh, this next track that you're bringing us, I'm, I'm not, I've played a little bit of it myself and it's mm-hmm. always been like towards the top of my backlist. I've always been, uh, I've always meant to jump back into it. But uh, this one I would probably say is on the longer end. Is that right? Uh, it's what, the game or the, or the music? Oh right, the game itself. Oh, the game itself, yeah, um, it's it's oh, I don't know, it's about maybe twelve hours long. 12, okay. 12, 12 to fifteen hours long. It's it's not a, a particularly huge game. Okay. Yeah, my my first track is from um, what I would view as a criminally underrated game uh, from mm. two thousand and thirteen. It's uh, Don't Nod's ent- uh, Don't Nod Entertainment's debut, Remember Me. Um, Don't Nod, of course, went on to receive critical acclaim and, and commercial success with their second game, Life is Strange, but. Uh, in its own way, I think the debut is slightly more interesting. It was more, mm-hmm. perhaps more um, ambitious. It's a very ambitious game for a, for a studio's first title. It's also very flawed in a lot of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. It had a lot of problems, but um, overall, I, I really, really enjoyed the game, and it's one that I recommend um, people check out if you can. I mean, I, I picked it up when it's free on PS Plus. Um, and the soundtrack is one of the standout aspects of the game because mm-hmm. it combines sort of like sweeping John Williams-esque orchestral pieces with frantic breakbeats and electronica that sort of mirrors the setting of the game, which is Neo Paris. It's a sort of cyberpunk setting, near future cyberpunk setting. And so you get like this beautiful Baroque architecture overlaid with like cyberpunk accents and the music kind of fits with that. Um, it was The soundtrack was composed by uh, Olivier de Rivier. Um, and the orchestral piece is recorded by the London Philharmonia Orchestra, and they are beautiful in their own right. But then he took them and remixed them um, very, very heavily. Uh, and this particular track, it occurs during quite a frantic chase through the Montmartre district of, of Paris, and it sort of perfectly encapsulates the frantic nature of, uh, of that gameplay sequence. Very cool. Yeah, I did uh, listen to this before the recording as well. And I love how kind of glitchy it gets. I love how um, there is such that kind of electronica abstraction going on in a a genre of music. You know, we've heard a lot of like remixes of classical pieces, but this Mm. more kind of action oriented, like filmic soundtrack type of orchestral music is... I like it a lot. It's it's a good track. It's something that I'd I'd heard before in... um 
in music outside of of soundtracks like uh, mm-hmm. Sufjan Stevens kind of got a little into a little bit of it on his album the BQE and then um okay. the Canadian uh, breakbeat DJ Venetian Snares had in his higher album of it who's the title of which I'm ne- I cannot pronounce it's something <laughs> in Hungarian um Rolts Silag Alat Suzulet something like that um and that's all um orchestral pieces remixed in a sort of breakbeat style um, but I'd never heard it in a video game before, and it works really well in, in not only in the setting of Neo Paris, but also in terms of what the gameplay is about, because the game is sort of like a dystopian future where memories are commodified, um, mm-hmm. and there are moments in the game, unfortunately, they're very few and far between. I think it only happens like three times in the entire game, maybe only twice, where you, in order to influence somebody's view towards the main character towards um uh oh god i can't remember her name or whatever Uh, yeah to to influence these characters views towards the main the main character you have to infiltrate the memory of something that happened and like remix it and -hmm. change their perception of what happened uh and that sort of plays into the sort of taking this classical music and remixing it as well um yeah i think the whole thing comes together very well the game itself Perhaps not quite so much. It had serious flaws. It was very, very linear. Um, the combat elements tried to do tried to do some clever things that didn't really work, and the storyline mm-hmm. gets a little bit messy in places. But <laughs> for an ambitious sort of debut uh, game, I thought it was it was uh, a very interesting piece of work, and, and the soundtrack is is uh, one of the more striking soundtracks I've heard um, in recent years. And it's, it's one of the few soundtracks that I could very happily listen to, uh, you know, outside of the game. Yeah, and as far as little kind of attention and affection that it's gotten relative to the footprint that it's had, it has made a fairly significant contribution to the genre, I'd say. Those um, memory sequences which you were talking about have been and have iterated upon in different ways in uh, Batman Arkham Knight yeah. uh, and Arkham Origins before that. And uh, I believe in uh, Murdered Soul Suspect as well, although yeah. I have to look back on that and make sure I've got my story straight. But I, I think it will be remembered as, as a game that introduced a lot of ideas that other companies kind of took and made a little bit more public and a little mm. bit more uh, and would have gotten the credit for it, perhaps. It's the sort of game that I think would have benefited greatly from having a sequel but Mm -hmm. uh not long after it came out i mean capcom weren't particularly on steady financial footing when that game came out and things went worse after that so and i don't know whether because capcom published it i don't know whether they hold the rights to the ip or not Mm -hmm. or whether don't not do but if capcom have it then i don't think we'll we'll ever see a sequel to that which is a bit of a shame because i think give it another stab at it they could have done they could have done something good yeah, well, they went on to make a time-traveling point-and-click adventure game, and then it looks like their next game is uh, kind of a Bloodborne-looking game. So yeah, Vampire. They're just all over the place as a studio, so who knows mm. what they have in their future. Yeah.
next track we have a request from our forum from member Tractorion who says this was hands down my favorite video game of my youth I loved every second of it and played it to death one time I sat down and played the entire game beginning to end in one sitting I don't know if that is an achievement in itself but it sure was to my eight-year-old mind sometimes I just left the intro of the game rolling so I can hear that beautiful music 
This tune is forever etched into my memory and my heart. All right, listeners, now is your time to uh, submit your guesses as to what game he's playing. This was, <laughs> uh, it is able to be played all in one sitting. And the uh, the game opening rolling in is a little bit of a clue there. But <laughs> all right, yeah, this is from Donkey Kong Country. This is the main title theme by David Wise and Evelyn Fisher. Uh, who Evelyn Fisher is somebody we talked a little bit about in the last episode, actually, and <laughs> funny enough, or uh, I guess a couple episodes back now, recording this a little bit in advance. Um, but yes, this is the uh, the very very memorable opening theme to Donkey Kong Country. Um, I've over the last week I've been uh, digging back into the Donkey Kong Country soundtracks, really digging the Donkey Kong Country two stuff and reacquainting myself with uh, the the rest of the series as well. And this has always been one of those tracks that I have very strong memories of. Like Donkey Kong Country might be the first game that I have like really strong memories of like Mm. playing this at friends' houses. And um, it was always kind of mystifying to me. And I just loved playing this whenever I had the opportunity to never owning a uh, Super Nintendo myself. But I got Donkey Kong Land on the Game Boy and I got Donkey Kong Country when it was re-released on the Game Boy Color and, uh, you know, emulators and virtual console releases over the years. And uh, so I've definitely played through it many times since then, but it's, uh, it's a big favorite of mine. And I think that this particular track is a remix of uh, one of the songs that was in the original Donkey Kong Arcade. And... The song starts off by showing Cranky Kong, who is the aged up version of Donkey Kong from the arcade game, you know, where he fought against Jumpman. Mm. Yeah, so it's a remix of that original tune, and he's kind of cranking it out on his own gramophone and, uh, you know, just kind of dancing along with it. And then <laughs> Donkey Kong, the new Donkey Kong, I guess Donkey Kong the third, as he's known, as he's the uh, grandson of the original Donkey Kong and the son of Donkey Kong Jr. <laughs> oh, okay. The uh, Donkey Kong lineage there. Um, <laughs> comes swinging in like the rebellious youth that he was, although he's wearing a tie, so I guess he's a little bit more um, just respectful than the the Sonic the Hedgehog brand of 90s rebelliousness. But, um, <laughs> but he comes swinging in with his boombox and knocks Cranky Kong off the tree and starts dancing to his uh his his new version of this classic song and cranky kong comes in and, and throws a exploding barrel at him um <laughs> it, it's quite a funny scene i would say but yeah this is the music that underlies it uh mark do you have any particular affection for this song oh yeah absolutely uh, donkey kong country was um uh probably my it was my second favorite game on the SNES. I mean, the only thing that, that beat it was um, Super Mario World. Uh, yeah, I, I played hours and hours of Donkey Kong Country uh, when I was younger. And I, I, I'd say to, to, to uh, Tractorian uh, that playing it through from, the, from beginning to end in one sitting is an achievement because yeah. that game <laughs> was really hard in places. Like, yeah, particularly um, those minecart places. Oh my god, yeah. So, <laughs> so many times I died on those minecart sections. Yeah, mm. um, yeah. It was. It was a. 
Oh, I guess it, a lot of platformers were difficult back then, um, but this one particularly stood out as being punishingly difficult in places, mm. uh, at least to me. Maybe I just have a low skill ceiling. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I played Donkey Kong Country to death, and um, yeah, it, as is the case with so many Nintendo games, it had a very, very memorable soundtrack, and, and the theme tune um, stands out as, as one of my favorites from that era of gaming. I think for its difficulty... I like it because it's it feels fair, whereas a lot of games at the time felt like, uh, you know, how have I, how was I supposed to avoid that crazy enemy movement pattern? And yeah, um, Donkey Kong was always very predictable. And there were um, there were strategies that we built up, like as the Donkey Kong community. I remember my my uh, buddy from high school and I would um, get together, you know, years after this came out, obviously, um, and play it through again and again and again and uh just had a really good time with that and had all sorts of different strategies we employed the the diddy jump which is where you roll off of a platform and then activate your jump animation midair to get some extra length on that and Mm. um you know we'd have different kongs that we'd prefer for different situations because they held the barrels differently and Mm. uh just a really kind of robust platformer for what it was yeah, it never cheated you. If if you died, it was your, absolutely your fault. Um, it was just yeah. getting used to, especially with those those mind track um, segments we were talking about. Um, sometimes it was you just kind of had to learn the rhythm of mm-hmm, when the yeah. jumps were going to be coming in and know exactly you, after you'd run through it a few times, you should know exactly where to jump. But I'd still die over and over and over again. But yeah, I, I and uh, I've got to say it was one of the best looking games on the SNES as well. I thought employing their uh, new silicon graphics technology mm. um that was kind of what rare was known for back in the day yeah. following this up with killer instinct and uh and then their uh output i guess through the n64 era and even into the gamecube and xbox eras i always felt looked about half a generation ahead of everybody else oh yeah for sure um, yeah. yeah just always really on top of their game as far as graphical stuff mm-hmm. Uh, we will talk more about Donkey Kong Country in the future, I'm sure. But as we've talked a lot about this track, I'm sure a lot of you are kind of dying to listen to the main title theme by David Wise and Evelyn Fisher for Donkey Kong Country. Next, we have another request from the forum. This is from Jesus Fish, fish spelled like the band. Um, this He says, or she says, I suppose, anybody can be a Christian fish fan. 
I'd like to submit this track from Campo Santo's Firewatch. This track, by Chris Remo, captures everything I enjoyed about the soundtrack and game. It's simple and rhythmic, and like many of the songs on the soundtrack, it sneaks in a reoccurring theme that leaves you with a sense of dread and worry. There's almost a jaunty nature about it until it suddenly starts to pick up tempo and introduce new elements. When the soundtrack and game originally released and the nights were still long, I enjoyed putting it on for my walk home through the city. It gives me the feeling that I'm being stalked by a secret that's about to unravel. This is Stay in Your Tower and Watch by Chris Remo, who uh, listeners will recognize from the uh, composing the soundtracks of Gone Home, The Cave, and 30 Flights of Loving. He's done a little bit of, uh, I, I believe, like QA work at uh, Double Fine as well. Uh, you see his in there with the cave, but he, I think he did some testing and technical assistance on Psychonauts and uh, Space 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 df9 but yeah those soundtracks in particular i like the cave soundtrack for Mm. as little as that game seems to be remembered these days i do like the music from it and the game in general i have a soft spot for that one in particular yeah Yeah, me too yeah this is from firewatch which i've not yet had a chance to play waiting for it to go a little bit cheaper and i know that it will one of these (laughs) days um but yeah it looks like an intriguing first person I, i guess exploration type game not survival but exploration nonetheless in the wilderness setting have you played this before i haven't no i'm likewise i'm waiting for it to to come down a little bit in price um i can get quite stingy when it comes to games that are uh, a bit short which is why perhaps i i haven't Mm -hmm. had got around to playing gone home either although um it was on ps plus on the ps4 recently so i've got it downloaded and ready to play but i haven't played it yet unfortunately Uh, you're in for a treat i have played the cave and and really enjoyed that but yeah Mm -hmm. i will get around to playing gone home and when uh firewatch comes down in price i'll be playing that as well but i i understand a little bit about what the game is and so i can see how this how the soundtrack kind of plays into that as well but it's like like the description was you know simple sort of jaunty um, piece yeah. of music that also has a, a slight mysterious air about it as well because all is not what it seems in in, in firewatch from from what i've gathered yeah it has kind of that uh folksy american south kind of sound to it uh which mm. we heard recently with a um a listener submission from the fire and the flame another kind of wilderness based survival game which has been kind of a popular setting recently uh this and oxen free in a sort of way i have a feeling and this is just kind of a hunch which i can't really back up with solid evidence but i have a feeling this type of like aesthetic and uh especially kind of musical presence tie a lot of their lineage back to uh kentucky route zero um, I feel like mm. that introduced me at least to a lot of like this type of feeling in a game. And so I, I'm not sure. It's just a hunch, but I have a feeling that that one uh, got um, on a few folks' radars and they went on to create their own games while <laughs> Kentucky Route Zero is unfortunately kind of stalled on the side of the road right now. Yeah, unfortunately. I was hoping to finish that at some point. Yeah, uh, I guess from what they say, Act 4 is still on its way and they show screenshots every once in a while, but not super hopeful that we'll ever get the full intended five acts at this point, which, you know, for what it is, each chapter does a pretty good job of of, uh, standing on its own. And I feel like I've gotten more than my money's worth already. So I'm not trying to discourage people from buying it. I'm just saying kind of maybe temper your expectations as far as like how 
much content you'll be receiving, but what is there still worth buying? But we're not here to talk about no. that game. <laughs> this is all about Firewatch. Um, so let's let the music do the talking for us. This is Stay in Your Tower and Watch by Chris Remo from Firewatch. So another one of those kind of weird indie oddities that I've been playing lately, uh, which I, I did for a review over on Game Critics, which I really, really loved. Um, it's a tremendous game. Uh, was was uh, Rost 3, which is by Emanita Design, the same developers of this, uh, this next track that you've chosen. But I was, I was impressed, as I've always been. Samaros 3 is essentially about traveling to different planets and just kind of like listening really closely to nature and like mm. finding the music that's kind of inherent in nature, finding the patterns and then kind of translating that into music. And that kind of unlocks a lot of the secrets of this game universe. Mm. Um, so it, it's really like a kind of a positive message to put on a game that, you know, just sit there and listen, be mindful of the world around you. And there's, you know, magic to be found, so to speak. And uh, I, th I think that this particular game that you've chosen to share a track from captures that feeling better than any of the others. If you want to kind of describe this other little oddity here. Yeah, so uh, my next track is from uh, Botanicula, um, which, as with the last game I picked, is made by a studio who's perhaps more famous for making another game. Um, then more well known for the the excellent Machinarium uh, point and click yeah, adventure, yeah. Uh, which is a lovely little game, and, and and I highly recommend playing it if you haven't. Uh, Botanicula is a, another point and click adventure game, but it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, it's quite sparse in its design, uh, whereas Machinarium there's a lot going on on the screen, which meant that hunting for the the items that you needed to to mm -hmm. complete the puzzle and everything could sometimes be quite difficult. Um, Botanicula is a little bit more simple and a little bit more cutesy, um, and the the soundtrack kind of uh, 
reflects that. Um, it's made by the soundtrack was was uh, composed and performed by uh, a, a group called DVA um, from the Czech Republic, a uh, same place that Amanita designer from. And it's sort of like a combination of soft vocals and acoustic instruments and mm. like ambient electronica and things like that. It's very similar to, to bands like Moom or, or Efterklang and, you know, a lot of those Icelandic sort of minimalist bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just a very, very like cute soundtrack to go along with a very cute sort of point and click adventure game mm. about a group of five, I don't know what you describe them as, botanical creatures. Um, like there's a seed and a mushroom and a twig. Um, <laughs> traveling around this tree trying to save the the last seed of the tree from being captured by some uh, some invading parasites that are trying to take over the tree um, a lovely little game and a lovely soundtrack as well she described it as being quite cute but there's a certain level of uh, kind of like Monty Python grotesquity oh, yeah. that's layered on top of it as well which creates a really interesting almost like a like a Ren and Stimpy cartoon or something mm. like a lot of like real, like, I don't want to say ugliness because it all just feels like nature and like nature isn't inherently, you know, beautiful or ugly. Like it just is what it is. And there's lots of elements, there's lots of texture to it. Mm. Um, but yeah, not, a lot of, uh, maybe not what would come to mind if you're picturing a cute game offhand. No, no, it, it, it's, I mean, yeah, it's got some sort of like uh, slightly twisted looking um, mm-hmm. characters that you'll come across. Like one of the first ones, you can't, the first sort of puzzle where you've got to find these little um, feathery leaves to uh, help a, a creature that's in your way from moving out of the way. And it's just this giant brown blob. And you have to find the feathers so that these 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 little feathers can help this giant brown blob take up off the tree and fly away and unblock your path. And yeah, there are there is some grotesquery, but like the, the the game, I don't know, the game itself is just like combined with the soundtrack and these and the the way that the the five characters interact and uh, and how each one can be used to get round puzzles. I just I, I thought it was very cute. Perhaps, yeah, I'm, yeah. Um, perhaps I'm perhaps I'm <laughs> describing it a little wrong, but I I found it very cute. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that as in like an overall sentiment, definitely. Um, mm. But yeah, it's a it's a weird one, and I, I really like Amani to design because they've ever since the beginning, ever since like Samarost one, like mm. they've found an aesthetic that they like. They found like a design ethos that they uh, really get on with, and they've just really been polishing that over the years and refining and making, you know, little adjustments. Um, None of their games, while a lot of their games have been uh, very different in setting and tone and style, like none of their games are play that differently. And a lot of them kind of circle around a lot of the same themes of of musicality and uh, of robotics a lot of the time Mm. and nature and stuff like that. and, you know, that's not to say that they aren't creative enough or they aren't taking enough risks or whatever, but, you know, this is a company that has found what they do well and have been just like honing that point to, you know, just a, a spit shine polish. And, you know, you play their more recent games and they are, uh, you know, just approaching perfection for what they are, mm. um, which has been really 
exciting to see a company just, you know, find its vision early and stick to it and just like, you know, continually against all odds, keep improving. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's only 18 of them and they've, they've mm. brought out quite a few games in quite a short space of time. A lot of them are very small, like, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of them have slightly more to do with musicality for instance they, they did a short game uh, a, a browser game for uh, uh, the polyphonic spree and they've done mm. a lot of like um music videos and and shorts uh f- for bands and, and musical uh art um but yeah i i just love what they do yeah so definitely recommend um picking these up these ones routinely go on sale for absurdly cheap mm. and uh also pop up in uh humble bundles um, but so you might have a few of Amanita's works in your backlogs. So, um, yeah, seek them out, give them a try. Definitely worth experiencing. Um, I always like to, you know, have a little glass of wine or something with these and just kind of get <laughs> in that headspace. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's kick it over to some music. This is Juju by DVA from Botanicula.
Cool. And speaking of uh, you know smaller and more intimate games, this is another uh, game that we've featured on the podcast before, and one that I have a particular affection for. Uh, this is from To the Moon, which was Canon Rents issue one thirty four. If you want to hear more about that, uh, this is a really lovely piano piece. Um, it's kind of the theme song from To the Moon, uh, called For River. Um, for River is one of the main characters of the game, and uh, particularly this is to- uh, Sarah and Tommy's version, which is my favorite rendition of this song. Um, each character plays it a little bit differently as uh, they read the music a little differently throughout the game. And so I think there's like three or four versions of this song being played by different characters throughout the game uh, on the soundtrack. Um, And the entire soundtrack was, I I guess most of the soundtrack at least, was composed by Ken Gao, who is um, the writer and developer of the game as well. Uh, kind of the brains behind the project and also a super nice guy i had the opportunity to interview him when i was in toronto and so that interview is on the canada Rins website it's a written interview um just search for question block toronto can gao it's k-a-n-g-a-o yeah we talked about to the moon his more recent a bird story his upcoming uh, finding paradise and um just uh, really interesting. These games are rather minimalist. Uh, I I guess they kind of employ a lot of the logic of simpler point-and-click adventure games, although they're made in RPG Maker and are um, just really lush, lovely, uh, really heartbreaking tales, Uh, really excellent storytelling um, to the moon in particular is uh, one of those games is kind of notorious for making grown men cry <laughs> repeatedly. Um, you know, even still, when I think back to how that game ended, getting a little choked up still, <laughs> just a really lovely story. Um, cannot recommend it enough. Uh, I had the opportunity also to, probably back when this game was new, back in 2012 maybe, um, this game came out in 2011, I, I got to meet Ken at, uh, at PAX, that year, which was super fun. He was there probably promoting to the moon, um, or he might've just been there just as an attendee, but he was at the uh, extra credits panel. And I, you know, saw him walk in. I'm like, you know, he looks familiar. Uh, can't be the same guy. Um, but yeah, I, I went up and, and talked to him and it turns out, yeah, totally the same guy. And, uh, we got to talking about his, about his games and some of the ones that he put up for free on his website, a uh, little, you know, that demo things he's done when he was younger and, um, a really friendly fellow, and he gave me a boxed copy of To the Moon, which I still have up on my shelf and is uh, still kind of one of my favorite pieces of video game memorabilia that I've gotten over the years. So I've been very happy to have that up on my shelf these years um, and have played through To the Moon a couple times and have enjoyed it immensely. Uh, Mark, have you played To the Moon before? No, I, t- I, I haven't, to my eternal shame. I've heard nothing but good things about it, and I've I've had mm. countless people tell me that I, I have to play it, and it, they, they say that knowing the sort of games I like, it's the sort of game that I would mm. absolutely fall in love with, and I, I have no valid excuse for why I haven't played it. Um, but this piece of music is, is beautiful, so um, mm. if there wasn't already enough reasons for me to play it, I am going to get, get hold of it, and I am going to play it. Yeah, it's it's also another one that goes cheap on Steam and humble bundles every once in a while. So 
um, yeah, definitely worth hopping on, I would say. But yeah, it's definitely one of my personal favorites of just all time, really. Mm. Um, but this particular track, I think, is interesting because of the way that it's introduced to us. This song, which was, again, composed by Ken Gao, uh, starts off with a kind of back and forth between two notes on the piano, which serves as a really neat, uh, nice kind of textural counter melody for the main melodic theme that comes in, uh, you know, a few seconds in. But our introduction to it is, you know, our main characters are doctors who are going to meet this old man and, you know, we're exploring his house and we're finding, uh, you know, origami rabbits everywhere. Uh, and we find this sheet music that he wrote, which is just, you know, two notes going back and forth. And the introduction's almost kind of like a horror game a little bit. It's like, this guy's probably kind of crazy. And, you know, we're going to be going into his brain. Like that's part of the kind of core conceit of the game is you're supposed to be infiltrating his brain and, and planting memories inception style. And so, you know, it really sets you up with this weird, like, what happened to this guy? Like, is he completely off his rocker? Just makes it more interesting to explore his backstory. But uh, yeah, this this piece actually is a uh, really lovely composition. So I guess without further ado, we will drop you into Four River Piano, Sarah and Tommy version by Ken Gao from To The Moon.
Cool. Uh, we've been doing a lot of really hopping all over the place genre-wise and tone-wise <laughs> in this one, and we're not about to stop there because this <laughs> next track is a uh, real upbeat, weird <laughs> song. <laughs> I have to describe it in any way. Uh, do you want to introduce this next one here? Yeah, so uh, my next track is from what was so very close to being my game of the year of 2015. It just got pipped at the end by The Witcher 3, um, but it's from uh, Splatoon, um, Nintendo EAD's sort of third-person um, ink-based multiplayer shooter. Um, and the soundtrack is... It, it, it sort of goes along with with the the style of the of the game itself, not only the, the gameplay but the actual visual style of it. It's sort of like this: the, the visual style uh, when you're in like the the main hub world uh, is sort of like this weird sort of exaggeration of Japanese youth culture, mm. but um, using squid people because it's set in a dystopian future where. Uh, the, the seas have risen and humanity has been wiped out and now the world is dominated by squid people um, who like to play um, <laughs> who like to play with like uh, well uh, it's like I don't know how to describe it basically yeah, just, it's just like a multiplayer shooter with ink um, mm -hmm. and using ink to control territory rather than just going out and just shooting people but the soundtrack this, this particular piece like all the music all the way through it is sort of like um you know, and a sort of a take on various different genres. So there's one track which is like a, a squid metal song, and then there's another one which is like a squid version of J-pop, uh, and a squid version of just like you know, uh, sort of like soft rock or whatever. Like um, yeah, there's some reggae and some ska in there. Yeah, and some, the whole really different genres. Uh, but this particular one, uh, Gusher Gauntlet, is from one of the um, single-player maps, and. The reason I like it so much is because it's like whoever I, I don't know which one of the gentlemen composed it, whether they work together, Toro uh, Minigishi and Shiho Fuji. Um, it's like they took lots and lots of samples from all over the place and just crammed them together and somehow managed to make it work as, as a sort of melody. It's it's yeah. like they've chopped up fifteen different songs and just thrown them together. But it fits together so well, um, and it it's just uh, it it fits perfectly with the sort of frantic, colourful, wacky gameplay as well. It's almost like a Fat Boy Slim kind of track or something like that. Yeah, yeah. All those weird samples coming together, um, but they come but together yeah. so well. Yeah, yeah. I I do really like this song, and I like the uh, the whole Splatoon soundtrack. It. I don't know. It feels very hip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is which is something you couldn't really accuse Nintendo of being really <laughs> of being hip. Um, yeah, uh, I was this 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 uh, game was such a such a uh, a happy surprise uh, when it came out because you know it was Nintendo's a rare new IP from Nintendo rather than being an iteration on existing IP uh, mm -hmm. and their first attempt at making like a multiplayer well their first in-house attempt at making a multiplayer shooter as far as I'm aware um, mm -hmm. and they just hit it out of the park the, the game is fantastic the soundtrack's fantastic and I really really hope the game gets a sequel on uh, on the NX oh I'm sure it will it was a very strong selling game for them and probably their most successful new IP in a long long time Mm, definitely 
and massively, like, really, really well supported afterwards. I mean, the game came out last May, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, when the game came out, it was a little bit thin on the ground in terms of content. There was only five maps and not a lot of mm-hmm. weapons and things like that. But they've supported it since then with continuous uh, uh, you know, updates with new maps and new weapons. And they had the Splatfests all the while. And um, there's the another Splatfest coming in in a few weeks, which will unfortunately be the last one. And from that point on, they won't be supporting the game with any more updates. But... I hope that's just because they're working hard on a sequel. Yeah, and I'm sure they are. Uh, and of course, you know, when the next Smash Bros. rolls around, we will no doubt be seeing a lot of these Splatoon characters and stages make a reappearance in that. Um, oh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, hopefully along with some Rhythm Heaven stuff, because there's a lot of really good Nintendo properties as of uh, kind of recently. Some mm. of their new IPs have had some really strong aesthetics and characters and stuff. And so I love to see those newer properties join the Nintendo mainstays. Mm. But as for now, this is Gusher Gauntlet by Toru Minigishi and Shiho Fuji from Splatoon. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
our next track is from uh, one of my favorite series, not an entry that I've played in it, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why in just a moment, um, should become fairly apparent, I believe. Uh, this is uh, from The Curse of Monkey Island. In the words of Max Stat, who requested it, Monkey Island was in this thread and on the show a couple of times, but it still has a lot of tracks that people should hear. This time was a jazzy track from the swamps of Plunder Island in Curse of the Monkey Island. Yeah, this is uh, Curse of Monkey Island sits in kind of a weird place in the Monkey Island franchise, which already is kind of a a very splintered series more than any other, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the main series being The Secret of Monkey Island and uh, Monkey Island 2 LeChuck's Revenge, which are among many fans, kind of the two that they count as being... I don't want to say canonical, but the two <laughs> that people count as like the Monkey Island games. Yeah. And that is particular because uh, Ron Gilbert, who is the creator of Monkey Island, um, left the series after Monkey Island 2. Uh, and so Monkey Island 3 was kind of a, a new vision by a, a new, I, I guess probably most of the team remained the same. I'm not really sure about how much personnel DNA was shared between those teams, but uh, kind of the head of Monkey Island left. Mm. And so, you know, number three is considered kind of like a, uh, not a fan project, but not like official because it didn't come from Gilbert himself, uh, who was previously known for Maniac Mansion and Day of the Tentacle and some some of the real like fundamental point and click adventure games. And is uh, in recent years has come back with The Cave, which we talked about recently. And uh, uh, Thimbleweed Park upcoming as well, a Maniac Mansion throwback. Uh, we talked about The Secret of Monkey Island, just the first one, in Canaan Rinse number 192, if you want a little bit more history on that. But Curse of Monkey Island, which is Monkey 3, was, as we said, kind of not regarded as one of Gilbert's, but it was still really good, um, hmm. I guess, from most people's perceptions of it. And uh, I had the chance to talk to uh, Ron Gilbert at PAX a few years back and um, kind of asked him, like, you know, what did you think about Monkey 3? Because they obviously deviated quite quite strongly from where Monkey 2 ended in particular. Hmm. Um, no spoilers on that one in this particular track. But yeah, he said that he, he really enjoyed it and thought that, you know, while it wasn't his original vision, he was really happy with where they took the series. But uh, he, he was not able to say the same about Monkey Island 4, which um, is Escape from Monkey Island. Um, which is its transition into 3D and is pretty widely regarded as being not all that great. Guybrush Threepwood eventually returned in the Tales from Monkey Island, which is a Telltale series, um, kind of before they became well-known hmm. with their uh, their Walking Dead. And so it kind of fell into their previous, they did a lot of comedy games like um, from the Bone series and the Salmon Max series, which I actually really love the Salmon Max series and wish they would do more of, <laughs> mm. but it doesn't look like they're really keen to return to that well anytime soon. Nice. Um, they're having a lot of success with other well, more well-known properties these days, like Batman and, and yeah. The Walking Dead. Well, they're too busy making first seasons of, of uh, a Telltale game and then not returning to make the se the second season. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat variable quality these days, but overall pretty positive, I'd mm. say. Um, yeah, and the Tales of Monkey Island series were generally regarded as being like pretty good. Um, mm. You know, better than Monkey 4, but definitely not anywhere near 
the first three. The final Monkey Island game, I suppose, uh, Star Wars The Force Unleashed 2, in which Guyver's Threepwood was an unlockable character. So, yeah, there you go. That's the, the strange conclusion of the Monkey Island series. <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. One of LucasArts' last games, I suppose it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, of course. Uh, this particular track from The Curse of Monkey Island is Mocking the Voodoo Lady and Voodoo Jazz by Michael Land, who is the head composer on all of the Monkey Island games and goes way back with the whole LucasArts crew. This particular game ha- is uh, probably best known for having a very, uh, very different art style from the first two, mm. whereas the first two are kind of, you know, blocky pixel art. The third one is uh, um, kind of hand-drawn animation, like you would see in King's Quest Six. I can never keep the numbers straight on those ones. Uh, And then, of course, in what Ron Gilbert would kind of go on to do, the uh, humongous entertainment games where you'd see um, Putt-Putt and Freddy Fish and Spy Fox and Pajama Sam, all of those were kind of drawn in the same manner as well. So this is kind of where point-and-click adventure games ended up going for that kind of interim of years there um, before it was kind of axed off and then came back years later with Telltale stuff and um, Broken Age and and, uh, Kentucky Route Zero, as you mentioned earlier, and a bunch of modern, very different iterations on the genre. Have you had the chance to sit down with any of the Monkey Island games and in particular Monkey 3? Yes, uh, I played through, I mean, there was a time in my life where I could not get enough um, LucasArts games. I, I was yeah, I, I was playing uh, pretty much every one I could get my hands on, um, and this is sort of from that that era of classic point and click games before I kind of fell away from the genre for a while, um, and then didn't really return until recently when I started playing games like Machinarium and Botanicula. Um, but yeah, I, I I loved the the first three Monkey Island games. Um, and uh, Grim Fandango as well, and there is actually at least one Grim Fandango reference in uh, The Curse of Monkey Island. Mm. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah, I, 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 I couldn't get enough of these games, um, and I, the, the, the piece of music in, in particular that we, we're going to hear is actually is uh, quite similar to the sort of music that's in Grim Fandango as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> sort of like jazzy um well sort of like lounge jazz sort of uh, mm. uh sort of tune yeah, it's almost got those uh kind of caribbean uh reggae reggae uh chords playing in the background as well which is yeah. an interesting combination um this particular track i would say is very indicative of the monkey island music as a whole mm. um i guess particularly the later monkey island music and and yeah she said the uh grim fandango music which i i believe that soundtrack was composed by uh, Peter McDonald, is that right? Uh, I believe or something so, like yeah. That. Yeah, but uh, I, I think that he and Michael Land share a very similar musical style. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I think that there was some uh, some teaching in the in the LucasArts studios there, <laughs> uh, kind of a transference of style. But yeah, this, uh, this game was not re-released unfortunately um we got some really excellent re-releases of monkey island one and two uh, a few years back back when lucas arts was still i don't know if they did it in-house or whether they were licensing out to another studio but um just just tremendous remasters of uh secret of monkey island and, and lechuck's revenge 
uh, which are, um, you know, bar none kind of the way to play these games these days. And even if you don't get on with the new art style, everything has been completely redone, redrawn. And for the most part, other than Guybrush's head in the first game, um, everything looks just exquisite. Um, but if you don't get on with that new art style, or if you'd like something a little bit more old school, you can, with the click of a button, transfer it in between the new and the old art style. And mm-hmm. it's uh, seamless, just like in the Master Chief collection or you know, that, that new kind of remastered Halo. Mm-hmm. Um and, really, the, um, yeah, and the Grim Fandango remaster as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can I, I switch between. The, the... I don't think the remastered graphics are quite as uh, stark a difference in that one as they are in the uh, Monkey Island collection and Halo. No, but... no. But that's because they only mm-hmm. remastered the actual character models. They didn't do anything to the backgrounds oh, okay. <laughs> in that one. Yeah. But um, if you haven't played the first two monkey islands, then that is the way to do it. You can play those on just about any platform you can think of. See, I believe that's route on, uh, on PC, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, probably even on the PS3 and 360, mm. maybe on the Wii, who knows? Um, but yeah, unfortunately the curse of monkey Island was never remastered and, uh, it might never be. And, unfortunately it doesn't work great on new computers no i I, i've tried to play it through in the past but i've got a lot of graphical glitches on my end and uh for a game that looks as nice as this one and is essentially you know kind of a uh where's waldo like hunting through of of items in the background of these kind of busy images sometimes Hmm. uh, having graphical problems can be a bit of a game killer well given that uh disney be making a little bit of a push to get so what at least ex members of LucasArts have been mm-hmm. <laughs> begging Disney and getting permission to uh remaster and re release some of these old classic LucasArts games. You never say never, it, it may get re yeah, remastered at some point. Yeah. Um I know that Double Fine pushed particularly hard to get uh Day of the Tentacle and Grim Fandango yeah. out of the Disney vault. Uh, now that they own Lucas and everything that he's ever been associated <laughs> with. But I, I don't see Schaefer going to bat for Monkey Island 3 since he wasn't on that project. No. And so, yeah, it seems to be just kind of like his children that he's been uh, really petitioning for. Hmm. But, you know, maybe someday we'll see this one get a nice polished up treatment. Yeah, maybe when he's run out of the games that he worked on, then we'll <laughs> see some of these other ones done as well. Yeah, I'd be all for that. Hmm. Seems like a pretty good game. And it uh, introduced Murray, the undead skull, which I <laughs> I, I very much enjoy as a character. <laughs> uh, so this is Mocking the Voodoo Lady and Voodoo Jazz by Michael Land from The Curse of Monkey Island.
and we just have one track left to go. But before we do that, remember you can venture over to our forum at kingdomwins.com slash forum, or you can get in contact with us on our Twitter at kingdomwins, and uh, you can request songs there. You can request songs. Um, we have a special thread on the forum where we have a long, long list of of tracks that have been requested in the past. Feel free to throw some on top of the pile. Um, sometimes we pick from the older tracks. Sometimes we pick from the newer tracks. And so there's really, you know, no telling your your request. Even though we have a lot of requests already, will not be ignored necessarily. Uh, also, you can find us on Facebook at Canon Rinse and um, request songs on any of those uh, locations or even our uh, podcast at canonrinse.com email address. And we'll continue to include a selection of those requests in the playlist for each regular Sound of Play podcast. Um, please do subscribe to Sound of Play and leave us an iTunes review and rating. And uh, also do check out Canon Rinse. And, you know, we're not going to push this point particularly hard, but we do have a Patreon as well, patreon.com slash canonrinse where you can support both of our shows and all of your um, financial support is is very much appreciated and and will go on to help us fund uh, higher quality podcasts and also we're hoping to incorporate some sort of you know live events or something in the future but you know whatever it ends up coming to be we've got some very exciting projects in the pipelines and uh, one of those is coming up next week we have a a very special sound of play um, starting with issue 50 and going on every 10 issues after that, we will be doing a Sound of Play special. It's a, a longer show than is normal, a two-hour show in this case, where we really kind of methodically go through a lot of the music from a particular series and kind of give you like an audio essay of the uh, I guess musical identity of that series. So next week, you can hear our Sound of Play special on the Legend of Zelda series, which is a lot, a lot of music. I think it came out to like 24 tracks or something like that of of luscious, beautiful, amazing Zelda music. Uh, We're kind of breaking it up in between some of the more well-known pieces and some of the ones that are uh, a bit less known. And so hopefully you'll hear some music that you've never heard before. And in particular, that recording exposed me to um, the very last track on our next uh, our next issue, which is one of my, I guess, just you know, favorite video game songs that I would have never heard except you know through that particular sound of play. Uh, it's a really special track, and so um, you know, I just want to tease that for now. So listen all the way to the end of the next track uh, of the next sound of play because it's got it's got some really banging stuff in there, especially that that last one at the end. Yes, yeah, so every 10 issues, we'll come back with those specials, and we'll just kind of see how this next one's received, and uh, let us know if you have any suggestions for ways that it could have gone better, or I guess you wouldn't suggest ways that it could have gone worse, but I guess if you <laughs> want to throw some of those at us anyways, it could be amusing to read. Um, but anyways, let's go ahead and leave that podcast for next week and finish up this one here. We have another track here, but before we do that, I just want to thank Mark, as well as all of our community contributors Keep the submissions coming, please. 
And Mark, do you want to uh, tell folks where they can find you on the internet? Uh, yes, certainly. Uh, well, you can you can find me on Twitter at um, Damocles693. And you can find uh, Laps Gamer Radio at Lapsed Gamer. And uh, you can find, if you want to check out the podcast, you can find it at uh, lapsgamerradio.podbean.com. Excellent. And I would also recommend that because they do, they do very good work over there. I think in particular, my favorite one was the uh, the wrap-up of the Grim Fandango. I thought it was a really thorough and, and really nicely paced and constructed podcast. So well, thank you, you have to very start much. anywhere. That was a good one. Yeah. And thank you very much for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Always happy to to hear from some of our sister podcasts out there. This next track and our last track of the evening is from Tiny and Big, Grandpa's Leftovers, which is, um, you'd recognize it if you saw it. (laughs) (laughs) I've really, I've played this game and I still don't really know how to describe it. It's like a, a platformer, a puzzle platformer with the control scheme of a third person shooter that involves a lot of kind of like physics based manipulation of the environment around you to um, form paths for you to platform as you climb mountains and and stuff like that it's a real weird game it has a really striking art style and um and a really really fun soundtrack which is composed by a bunch of of different indie bands which the uh, black pants studio who created tiny and big uh, we're fans of and this piece in particular called chords and discords by cosmic analog ensemble who is i, I believe just one fellow named sharif megarbane who uh, was in another band called heroes and villains and is now doing the cosmic analog ensemble he puts out kind of free open source music you can find his music on the free music archive and um so yeah it's one of those situations where they are kind of encouraging the the sharing of their art and the the use of their art in in different mediums and stuff like that. And I think it works really well within Tiny and Big. And it also kind of stands on its, on its own as real kind of weird track. But it's a it's an interesting one. Uh, did you have the chance to listen to this before, Mark? Yes, I, I did. I have listened to this one. Yeah, it's got sort of like a. Uh... It's got a little bit of a Wild West feel about it, like a a little bit of a spaghetti Western sort of music, but then with some other elements thrown in just to kind of shake it up a little bit as well. Yeah, it's a little creepy, it's a little discordant, it's a little, Mm. uh, it's got a lot of really diverse instrumentation in there, and... um, and It's interesting, it's intellectually engaging, I would say. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's what we're going to leave you off with today. This is Chords and Discords by Cosmic Analog Ensemble. All right, see you next week for our Legend of Zelda special. 